You're about to listen to the IC News Podcast. We hope you enjoy it. Please don't forget, our show can only succeed with your support. Tell your friends. Share the link around on social media. Leave us a rating and a review on whichever platform you're listening on. And while we have your attention, take a second to hit that subscribe button. That way, you'll get a brand new episode each and every Saturday. You're listening to IC News, the only network bringing you the stories from across the multiverse. Thousands of Brits rush to make it back from France after the country is added to the UK's list for quarantine measures. Turns out that we do let desperate people cross the channel with their families. They just need to be bringing some fags back from the duty-free, rather than fleeing a war zone. Following concerns about how they were being counted, Britain's COVID-19 death toll is revised downwards by 5,000, but is still the highest in Europe, making it the only grade the government has downgraded this week that remains at the top of the league table. The UK officially enters a recession and suffers one of the worst economic downturns in Europe, as Brits everywhere look forward to a future where eat out to help out means getting their dinner out of a bin under a railway bridge. And finally, Pretty Patel gets into a Twitter spat with Ben and Jerry's over refugees crossing the channel, meaning she can now add lactose to the list of things she's deeply intolerant of. Hello, and welcome to another episode of IC News. I'm Sam Gore, delightful, and the weather outside is frightful. Frightfully bloody hot, that is. Honestly. I'm so warm and damp right now that Ben Shapiro's tried to refer me to a gynaecologist. Here at IC News, we're the only network in the world that doesn't just bring you the stories from our own reality. We also look for insights into the week's biggest stories from the countless number of parallel dimensions that exist alongside our own. If you don't like the results you're getting here on Earth Prime, all you need to do is peep through the multiverse where there's every chance you haven't been thoroughly shafted by a moderation process that places absolutely no value on your individual intellect or work ethic. Students in our own reality haven't been let down this badly since the Liberal Democrats were in any way politically relevant. With the latest on the absolute chaos unfolding for the nation's A-level pupils this week, we go now to our perpetually disposable correspondent, Rob Mulholland. Thanks, Sam. I'm Rob16, and I can't tell you how overjoyed I am to be reporting on a story as potentially non-lethal as Results Day. This week saw students in England and Wales receive their grades and in the middle of a global pandemic to boot. It doesn't matter whether you're waiting on a brown paper envelope filled with your A-level certificates or a text from the gum clinic. The end result's the same. It's an anxious time and all you really want to do is find out just how carelessly you got fucked. It's been a nerve-wracking few days for students in Britain. Last week, tens of thousands of Scottish school kids were left even angrier than they normally are when it turned out that the moderation process applied to their results had lowered their expected grades. It then turned out that schools in lower-income areas had been disproportionately affected, because if the SNP have learnt anything from watching Boris Johnson's Tories, it's how to well and truly fuck over kids that are already at a disadvantage. 
The scandal prompted calls to resign for the Scottish Education Secretary and a swift U-turn from the government. Nicola Sturgeon announced this week that the moderation process would be dropped in Scotland and results north of the border would be revised again to meet teachers' initial predicted grades. Seeing a British politician apologise and accept she'd fucked up in this day and age felt really weird. Like seeing a horse-drawn carriage coming down the street when there's no wedding or funeral going on. It was a callback to a bygone era, and it was a decision that sent English politicians into panic mode. The national plan had always been for the moderation process to take the historical performance of individual schools rather than pupils into account. Put simply, smart kids attending underfunded and underperforming schools in poor areas were far more likely to find their grades knocked down. At the opposite end of the spectrum, a thickest mince little Tarquin attending an expensive boarding school in Primrose Hill was far more likely to keep the grades his parents' money had paid for. There was never going to be an easy and universally fair solution to how exam results were awarded this year. This broad strokes approach was intended to simplify the process. Instead, it raised the ugly spectacle of class war and highlighted how funding and economics present serious educational disadvantages to kids in poorer areas. It was a monumental fuck-up and rowing back on it in Scotland threw A-level results day in the rest of Britain this week into total disarray. In response, the Department of Education scrambled to announce last-minute changes to make the process fairer. Final grades were no longer at risk of coming out lower than a student's mock results and instead were to be awarded on the basis of a new triple-lock approach. Depending on what came out highest for your teenage hopes of the future, English kids would now be awarded grades either according to their mock results, their teachers' predicted grades for them, or the result of written exams to be sat in the autumn. That's an option you can take if, like every kid ever, you put fuck-all effort into your mock exams and you've got at least one teacher who hates every aspect of their job. Most teachers are great, but let's not pretend there isn't a handful that set out to destroy the lives of children in order to numb the pain of their divorce. Or at least, all of this was the plan. The reality on Thursday was that countless students in England and Wales received results that had once again been knocked down without rhyme or reason. There are now thousands more appeals on the horizon, and the clearing process for university looks set to become a more confusing mess than Series 8 of Game of Thrones. Appalled and disappointed? You should be, kids. Welcome to the real world, where it doesn't matter how much effort you put in, because politicians who are clearly thicker and more incompetent than you will ever be will always be there to mess up your life for you, regardless of how much you try to succeed. But there's always hope. If you're spectacularly unqualified, but you still want a well-paid job despite having no relevant experience whatsoever, just loudly denounce migrants and tweet loads about how Brexit will be great for Britain. You'll probably end up in the fucking cabinet. Oh look, here come my results. Ooh. Oh dear. Ooh, that's um... That's a pretty terminal combination. I've... I've never even heard of megasyphilis. Time to write a will, I guess. I'm Rob16, and I really shouldn't have gone on that stag weekend to the multiverse's dirtiest Amsterdam. Reporting for IC News.
If the exam results fiasco felt like just another cherry on the turd-riddled cake we've all been choking down recently, you might be finding yourselves feeling desperate for someone to blame. That's perfectly understandable. This week, Britain announced exploding unemployment figures and a worryingly deep recession, and all of this is on top of a global pandemic that has killed thousands of Brits and been handled catastrophically. Now, you might think that some of these crises pose difficult questions for a government utterly paralysed by its own incompetence and ideological obsession with Brexit. That's understandable. But bear in mind that concepts like government and neoliberalism and corruption are big, abstract ideas, full of nuance and difficult to pin down. What if, instead of pointing out the myriad failures inherent in an entire system designed to suppress the lower classes and concentrate wealth at the top, I told you that everything going wrong in your life was in fact the fault of a small group of brown people struggling on a dinghy? That's much simpler, isn't it? Well, the government thinks so too, which is why you'll have heard a lot about it recently. Being journalists, here at IC News we've got no problem with grabbing our plate and rushing forwards to gorge ourselves at the buffet table of human misery. That's why we sent Tom King to a parallel coastline where he could gawk all the suffering next to a bright red man who's absolutely furious about all of it. Thanks Sam. I'm here on the Kent coast. The skies are calm. There's a breeze in the air and on a clear night you can see the headlights of French cars all the way across the channel. It's no wonder then that this seemingly tranquil little stretch of water has become an increasingly popular route for desperate refugees recently. Oi, don't you mean economic migrants? No, I fucking don't. Sit down, I'll get to you in a minute. This is Earth Quebec Beta Walliams 12, a parallel world with a reasonably similar geopolitical setup to our own. Britain here has also been wrestling with increasing numbers of refugees arriving by small boats from France. Just like back home on Earth Prime, the rhetoric from the government has become increasingly hostile recently, and the mainstream press has dogpiled onto the story like a Conservative MP onto a nervous intern. Whilst it's true that there have been more boat arrivals this year, we're still only talking about a few thousand people annually. And I don't know if you've noticed back on Earth Prime, but thanks to a truly cack-handed pandemic response, Britain is currently operating a one-in, ten-out policy, and it's not like we're suddenly short of space. Well, that's a straw man argument, and you know it. Oh, well done. Someone's been reading how to justify your casual racism in a debate for dummies. Guilty as charged. But you know what? When this very real humanitarian crisis is once again being blown up by a complicit media doing the government's work for them, it's difficult to remain objective. Alright, so you're happy with it in a bunch of freeloaders, are you? What is it you do exactly? I drive a white van and charge people cash in hand to fly tip their old fridges. Oh, and God bless you for single-handedly keeping the economy going. Look, this is not by any stretch a crisis that threatens to bring Britain to its knees. In many ways, it's a mess of our own making. Yes, we're currently spending a relatively inconsequential amount of money housing refugees in hotels, but that's because the government has consistently failed to hit its own targets when it comes to processing asylum claims. You can't criticise these people for failing to contribute if the system leaves them in a legal limpo for months and unable to work legally. We should just be sending them back. There it is. Yes, 
In the rare cases where the asylum claim is bogus, we absolutely should be. And a few hundred times a year we do, but for thousands of others we don't. Because funnily enough, the vast majority of asylum applications for those arriving by boat end up being approved. Because, you know, there are laws, and we have an agreed legal responsibility with regard to the preservation of human life and rights. Well then, the French shouldn't be letting them leave in the first place. Well, you may well have a point. If only we were part of some kind of union that facilitated international cooperation and coordination on issues like this, rather than thumbing our noses at our nearest neighbours and insisting we want control of our own borders, even though we've technically always had that control. Look, mate, I just don't want to enable criminal gangs and people smugglers. No. You want the Navy to sink boats full of children and innocent people because that's much less criminal and much more in keeping with all those All Lives Matter posts all over your Facebook feed. Well, now you're just being willfully obtuse. The asylum laws need changing, which is why I'm here today. Ah, yes. The clarion call of the noble patriot. The insistence that the legal protections offered by universal human rights shouldn't apply to everybody, thus rendering them utterly worthless. You're in luck, my friend. On this earth, you absolutely can be the change you want to see in the world. You just need to navigate a few little obstacles first. You see that on the horizon? What, the uh, the little flag out in the middle of the sea? Yep. There's your petition booth, and if Britain gathers enough signatures, the government have promised to reform your asylum laws like good little tin pot tyrants. And it's not even all the way across the channel. It's just ten miles out. And all you and 70 of your mates need do is climb on this leaky dinghy built for 30 and paddle yourselves out to it. Just look out for all the other sea traffic. This is one of the busiest shipping lanes in the world, after all, and the wake of any of those ships could potentially capsize your boat and kill you all. That seems very dangerous. Oh, it absolutely is. And don't forget, you have to take your terrified children with you as well. Well, that's fucking inhuman. Mm Mm-hmm. Isn't it just? But hey, the political system you're leaving behind by not taking that risk is awful, isn't it? Don't you want a better life for your kids? Yeah, um, you know what, I uh, I think I might leave it for today, actually. Now, there's a surprise. Why don't you toddle off home, then? Maybe try and remember that sense of perspective in future. Meanwhile, I'll carry on refusing to be part of my own god-awful government's blame-shifting strategies. There absolutely is a humanitarian crisis here on the Kent coast, but Preeti fucking Patel is not the victim of it. I'm Tom King, and personally I think asylum laws are quite important if you want to pretend to be a civilised society. Reporting for IC News. Time now to grab your elasticated pants and rifle and double-check that mental list of kids that were mean to you in school. That's right, it's American news. In the run-up to this year's presidential election, there's been a great deal of speculation as to who the Democratic nominee Joe Biden would pick as his running mate. That speculation ended this week as he announced that former Attorney General and Senator for California Kamala Harris would be running alongside him. 
Her appointment made history as she became both the first African-American and the first Asian-American vice presidential running mate on a major party ticket. Are you fucking joking? Oops, sorry everyone, didn't realise that line was live already. Uh, The voice you just heard was Che Burnley's and we're going to him now to discuss the political ramifications of Harris's appointment. Oh, owie. Well, that's marvellous. Just just remind me, Sam, what's my job title at this network again? Well, you're our global trade correspondent, I believe. Yeah, yeah, I am. I am an expert in international trade and relations. I am not your urban correspondent. I am not your MOBO awards correspondent. I am not, and I cannot stress this enough, the only black man in the room when you conveniently need to throw to one. Sorry, are you not the only black man in the newsroom? (sighs) This is a British cable news show, Sam. Of course I'm the only black man in the newsroom. It was a figure of speech. And how many weeks has it been since you last had a story for me? It's not been that long, has it? Weeks. Weeks, mate. And now Kamala Harris becomes the next potential vice president, and I'm suddenly employable again. Are you honestly trying to tell me that there's no link? Well, hang on now, Che. I get that it's frustrating to not always be a part of the rotation, but it's not as if you aren't on a salary. I'm not on a salary. I'm commissioned on a freelance base. Hang on, are you telling me other reporters are on salaries? I think we're getting a bit off track here, Che. Uh, surely the appointment of the first openly black VP candidate... Openly black? What the, what the fuck does that even mean? Ah, look, I didn't mean to say that. You know I didn't. Can we just talk about Kamala Harris, please? Isn't this appointment a good thing in terms of representation? <sighs> For Christ's sake, you don't magically fix the flaws in your society's entire power structure by appointing one woman of colour to a prominent position. Harris is a strong voice and a sensible choice, sure but it's also an entirely pragmatic appointment for Biden, who wants to both win the black vote and combat the Republican narrative that liberals are soft on law and order. Hang on, law and order? Isn't Harris now being painted as a far-left progressive by the Trump campaign? (laughs) Yeah, well that comparison's fucking meaningless coming from a literal fascist, isn't it? One look at her history as Attorney General will show you which side Harris has historically tended to come down on with regard to racial injustice. Uh, Recent shifts towards call for police reform have been politically convenient. She's a tactical operator. It's not always a bad thing, but it's the reason why progressives aren't particularly happy with this appointment, and it remains to be seen whether Harris has the political will to push for genuine reform. Do you think that'll harm Biden's chances? Maybe, maybe not. Progressives make a lot of noise, but they don't actually tend to turn up to vote. If they did, we'd be talking about a Bernie Sanders ticket right now. So by appointing Harris, he's aiming for black voters and moderates concerned about law and order, then? Yeah. Two demographics that actually put ticks in boxes. Well, ticking boxes is important. Don't I fucking know it. Now, returning to what we were all talking about earlier, about salaried positions at the network... Look, it was an honest mistake. The contract is already in the post. There's a good boy. Now, if you don't mind, I'm working on a piece about the breakdown of the Brexit negotiations for the Financial Times. Guess I'll just wait to hear from you the next time there's a police killing or Dave Benson Phillips dies or something, shall I? Yeah, well, uh, we'll try and do better next time, I promise. That'd be great. I'm Che Burnley. Openly black and signing off. God, a whole new contract's going to be expensive. Fuck it, I'll just pay him less. Graham, draw Che up a contract for me, will you? Yeah, the same one that Alison's on. That'd be great. Cheers. We hope that you've enjoyed the show. That brings us to the end of our scheduled broadcast. We leave you now with the headlines you may have missed. 
The president revives his bertha conspiracies by suggesting Kamala Harris may not be eligible to serve as vice president, adding another entry to the big redneck list of times Trump has never actually said anything racist. Theatres and music venues turn their lights red to signal a red alert for the future of the entertainment industry. They can probably keep them on, to be honest. With unemployment going through the roof, at least some of them are going to end up as brothels in the dystopian hellscape of Britain's future. Russia announces it has developed an effective coronavirus vaccine, with President Putin declaring his own daughter has taken it. Typical Putin, making Trump jealous by actually getting a prick in his own daughter. And finally, Gavin Williamson says he fears failing to moderate A-level results would lead to a whole generation of children being promoted beyond their competence, in the least self-aware comment ever made by a former fireplace salesman who's just fucked an entire generation as a result of his own total failure. You've been listening to IC News. Thank you, and goodbye. You've just been listening to the IC News Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please don't forget to help us spread the word. Only with your support, can we reach more people, and build a larger audience. Every episode of IC News is written and produced by Sam Gore. Every week we feature guest voices from the UK stand-up circuit. Check out the podcast description to find out who you've been listening to. They're all very funny people, and you should check out their stuff. The IC News main theme is written and performed by Eddie French and the graphic design for the show is by Chunchy.com. Any additional music in the show will always be properly credited in the podcast description, so if you hear something you like, please check that out and support the independent artists who offer their work to shows like ours.